What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode six of the Gridiron Authority podcast. My name is Keith Thornton. With me, as always, is Mike Adams. What's up, Mike? Uh, not much. On today's episode, we have uh, a week one preseason recap. We'll be talking about some NFL headlines, what we've noticed, uh, what we like seeing in the preseason, what we need to keep an eye on. And then we'll be talking just a little bit about our our experience uh, going to Chiefs training camp uh, this past week. So a lot of good stuff. And that means we are one week closer to the regular season. Let's do this. All right, let's get started with some news around the NFL out of week one of the preseason. I'm sure everyone's heard of the Antonio Brown fiasco with the Raiders. Um, he has informed team officials that he will not play football again if he can't use his old helmet, which the NFL has uh, banned because it's outside of the 10-year rule. It, it, it's, it's like a decade-old technology. He does. He wants to wear it. He feels like it, it hurts his vision catching the football, and he's saying he won't play. What do you think about this, Mike? This is crazy, right? It's crazy only because it's Antonio Brown, let's be honest. I know – Tom Brady's voiced his displeasure on the subject, but he's also still playing and he's using a new helmet. But when you have the, you know, some of the diva players like Antonio Brown and guys like that, uh, he's making it a big fiasco to me. I mean, honestly, it's an easy fix on a couple things. It's, you know, one, the NFL could say, if you don't want to play, don't play retire. We don't care. Uh, you know, and you lose out on all your money. I think, I think I saw it's up to around $30 million he'll lose out on if he doesn't play. So they could, they could strong arm him, strong arm him in that way. But at the same time, they could also say, okay, you know, if you want to use it, sign a waiver, um, basically say, you know, if you suffer any future head injuries, the NFL is not liable anymore. This is on you. If, if that helmet means that much to you, there you go. Sign the waiver. Let's move on. Um, I, I believe because of who it is, he's making it a, you know, it's a big deal because of who it is. Uh, and, and for that reason only, honestly, and let's be realistic about this. I, and there is no way that he doesn't play this season because of a helmet. And I don't, I honestly don't think the NFL is going to allow it, but he would be the biggest moron I've ever seen. If he gives up $30 million because he doesn't, and you know, what's crazy. I read his model of helmet is not even banned. The only reason that his helmet's banned is because it's 10 years old. So you can get a new helmet of the exact same model. It might be a little bit different, like just a model upgrade, but it's not like it's a completely drastically different helmet. I think he's obviously just creating a show. I think there's no way he's going to give up $30 million just because he can't wear his helmet. And it's the kind of diva mentality he's always had. This is why the, the Steelers locker room was a cancer last year. Um, I, don't know that the Raiders are regretting this, but I feel like they might be just because he, he cryogenically freezes his feet. He hasn't showed up. I don't think he's even showed up to a single practice yet. Maybe one. Um, I, yeah. I mean, he's done a few practices, but even the ones he was at, apparently he practiced on his own schedule. So when he wanted to do stuff, he would do it. And when he didn't want to do stuff, he went over and played with his kids on the sideline, apparently. So, I mean, it's a it's a fiasco because of, like I said, because of who it is. Um, anyone else? I mean, you have Tom Brady, who, I mean, I know a lot of people don't like Tom Brady, but he's handling it the right way. He said, "Hey, I don't agree with this rule. I don't like the rule, but I'm still going to go play because that's my job." So let me ask you this: We cover fantasy a lot. So from a fantasy perspective, he's going right now as second round draft pick. Does this affect it at all for you? 
do you lower him out of the second round or you just kind of sit where it's at right now? See how it plays out. Uh, absolutely. It lowers it for me. Um, to me, I mean, if I see him in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, I'm taking him, but I'm not taking him any higher because it's not worth the risk. It's not worth the, you know, because even if he starts playing now, what happens in week three and week four, that's going to say, well, now I don't want to play anymore, you know, or maybe something happens in the locker room um, that gets him suspended or, you know, maybe he and Derek Carr get in an argument or, you know, whatever it is. Um, there, there's so many, um, things that go into drafting someone like Antonio Brown, because he is such an emotional player and he is, you know, he's such a diva that even if he gets the helmet fixed, you know, what's going to be the next thing that sets him off and says, I don't want to play now, you know? And so to me, second round is, is uh, talent wise, it fits, but personality wise and everything else, it's too much of a risk and it's not worth taking, honestly. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy because last year, year before last, this guy's a surefire first round pick. Um, I think it's, I'm going to start slowly moving him down. I'm not going to put him all the way down to the fifth yet. Maybe if I were drafting today and it hit the third round, maybe the early fourth, I might get him. Um, but like our fancy drafts, not till after the preseason. So obviously when we draft, if this is still a problem and he hasn't reported, then he's just off my draft board completely. Yeah. Um, maybe like a late, late, late round pick. But as of right now, he's definitely trending down for me, but I wouldn't quite remove him yet. I think it, maybe at the end of this next week, if he hasn't showed up to practice at all yet and he hasn't got any um, headway with the NFL on his helmet, then it might be something you really start to worry about. And other fantasy news, we've got Duke Johnson being traded from the Browns to the Texans. Um, how do you see this affecting his fantasy impact? I know in Cleveland he was going to be a, a backup, maybe third down back, but with Kareem Hunt coming in and Nick Chubb stepping it up last year, he was kind of a minimal, super late-round fantasy guy. Um, with the Texans, he's projected to be their third down pass-catching back. So in PPR leagues, I think he might be going with the boards. Where do you got him? Uh, to me, it's kind of a, a two-prong attack. It's um... – and, and for Duke Johnson, it definitely brings him up the boards. Uh, I mean, he could be – he's definitely, I think, a, an RB3 option now, uh, maybe an RB2. But from Lamar Miller's standpoint, I think it drops his value a little bit. Um, I'm a guy – I've drafted Lamar Miller several times as an RB2, uh, and he, he's always brought good value at that spot. I wouldn't want him as an RB1, but as an RB2 – he's brought great value. But now if you bring in Duke Johnson, a guy that averaged 7.2 yards per touch last year, which was first or second in the NFL actually last year for running backs, um, you bring in that type of um, versatility. Um, I think it's going to help the Texans team overall, but I think it's going to hurt Lamar Miller's uh, uh, draft grade and his production a little bit. So that's something to keep an eye on, but it's also going to bring – Duke Johnson up to where he's a viable number, you know, RB three prospect. So um, I think you have to look at it from two prongs. Um, it's going to help one guy hurt another guy. Um, it's, I think something definitely to keep an eye on. I feel like it's a good sign that the Texans released Freeman because I feel like they feel that Lamar Miller is solid from his injury standpoint this year. He does have a history of injuries, something to keep an eye on. If you draft Duke Johnson and Lamar Miller goes down, you might be looking at serious RB1. So I think it's something to keep an eye on just because of his injury history. But I, I really like the move by the Texans. And it's one of those things where I didn't really see it coming. But once it happened, I was like, 
yeah, okay, that makes perfect sense. Uh, that, that's a great spot for him to land. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's going to get an opportunity to play. I think he's on a, uh, that franchise likes to work the running backs into the passing game. Um, yet they don't abandon the running game. So I think from both sides of it, I think, especially if Lamar Miller goes down and you happen to have gotten Duke Johnson in the late rounds, um, it, it could potentially be a steal, even if it's only for a week or two that he becomes their number one running back, but, um, definitely something to keep an eye on. Okay. Let's stick in. Texas with running backs here week one of the preseasons in the books how do you think Ezekiel Elliott's looking in his holdout uh I think after watching that game last night I think he's definitely gained a little ground uh in in terms of negotiating uh the Cowboys didn't run the ball very well last night um as a Cowboys fan I like Weber I like Pollard I think that they can bring a lot to the team but they're both rookies and uh, you know, they're, they're not quite ready to be that, that feature back at the moment. I know that they did sign Alfred, uh, Morris who, I mean, he's a proven, proven veteran running back, but I mean, he's been on Dallas before. He's not a guy that I, I want as our every down back, honestly. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him stick around. I think he's a good locker room guy. Um, and he's, he's a good presence, um, especially for Pollard and Weber to learn from, but with how they ran the ball overall last night, uh, averaging, I mean, last time I checked in on the game, it was, I think they were averaging 3.3 yards per carry. And, and, uh, so I think from, from that standpoint, Zeke probably gained a little bit of ground. I think hopefully the Cowboys are seeing that, you know what, we do need Zeke. Uh, maybe we should put in a little bit more effort into getting him into camp and getting him ready. Um, I'm not super concerned. I don't think it's going to turn into a Le'Veon Bell situation. I I believe he will play this year because he wants his money. Uh, I think he does want to win. And I mean, he gets along with all his teammates. I've never heard an issue um, come up of him not, you know, getting along with his teammates. I know he and Dak Prescott are good friends and he and Amari Cooper. And, and uh, I know he's bought gifts for the offensive linemen in the past. So uh, I don't think it's going to be a Le'Veon Bell situation, but it is something I want to see, you know, nipped in the bud uh as soon as possible yeah and from a fantasy standpoint it's kind of worrisome because i've seen him go as high as two or three overall um do you start to slide him down yet or do you wait a couple so you holding Uh, holding firm where he's at right now uh i mean maybe slide him down i'd still take him in the first round if i have a late first round pick um if i have top two or three i'm not taking him at this point just to be safe because i mean we saw a lot of bridges burned with uh Le'Veon Bell last year, it just destroyed people's seasons. Um, yeah. So in that slight chance, it does turn into that. Uh, I mean, I still see him as a first round pick, but probably later at the moment. Um, but I don't see him slipping out of the first round. And that's one of the scary things about this year in fantasy and really last year too, but you've got such a, a high powered pick is in the top three or four. And you've got Ezekiel Elliott, you've got Melvin Gordon sitting there, and there's such big question marks on him. It's almost like you can't do it with the top five picks because you, your whole season's over if you if you miss on them. Yeah, it's 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 I think big trouble if you miss on on either one of those guys. But it could be huge if you know if um, uh, if you have the the typical draft where you know say you draft twelfth in a twelfth man league, but then the second round you pick number one. Uh, yeah. I mean, if, if Zeke slips to you at number 12 and you get him at number 12, and then all of a sudden you have pick number 13 also, uh, which will be the first pick of the second round. 
and all of a sudden you add a Patrick Mahomes or you add a, you know, say a DeAndre Hopkins is there or a Julio Jones. All of a sudden you just got the steal of the draft. And if he comes out and plays and all of a sudden you could go from thinking, man, I got the 12th pick. I'm going to be in trouble to, oh my God, I'm set up better than anyone. So I think from, from both sides, it could, it, you know, again, it's kind of, kind of that two prong thing. I think if you pick up high, you know, it's a scary situation. If you pick down low, it could be a steal. So speaking of these kind of tricky running backs, how's Melvin Gordon looking? I, I feel a lot less secure about Melvin Gordon than I do about Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, Melvin Gordon, I think, is is something. If there's a Le'Veon Bell situation, it's going to be Melvin Gordon. Um, it, <clears throat> every aspect I've I've heard about him, it seems like no matter what they do, they're still two to three million dollars apart. Um, I've heard that they talked about you know one contract, just your standard contract. Basically, they're two three million years apart. Um, but I heard that they tried to offer him a bunch of signing bonus and guaranteed money, but the year to year stuff, they still ended up being two or three years apart of what they wanted in that as well. Um, it seems like they've kind of fractured that relationship a little bit. I mean, to me, honestly, unless he gets traded and gets a new contract there, um, or unless it hits, you know, a few games into the season and he finally just, you know, crumbles and gives in, uh, I, I, I mean, I don't see this ending very well for for either side, honestly. Um, it's it's only hurting his value setting out, but it's you know it's definitely hurting the Chargers not having him. I mean, I know that they have you know good depth at running back, but uh, at the end of the day, I mean, Melvin Gordon uh, is the only running back in the NFL the last three years to score t- at least twelve all-purpose touchdowns um, each season. So, I mean, he brings huge value to you. Uh, and, and so having him is definitely going to help your team, but, um, I, I'm not seeing this one end anytime soon, honestly. Yeah. And it's a really bad situation for Melvin Gordon because his agent did officially demand a trade, but when you're looking at everyone's rosters, there's really not a team out there that probably is going to be willing to give up what they'd have to give up to get him because everyone's at least by committee got something in place for the season. I mean, I don't really see anybody standing out saying, hey, I got to trade my first round draft pick and go get Melvin Gordon. So I think he's kind of just stuck with the Chargers and they they don't seem to be budging. So I, I really don't know how this ends, but I could definitely see a, a Le'Veon Bell situation. He's just trying to get to free agency. So, yeah, I mean, I the the only there's only a couple of teams out there I can maybe see. Uh, I think maybe the Baltimore Ravens. Um, could use him. Um, they don't have a I mean, they have a decent committee and uh, they did sign uh, Ingram. But I mean, they don't have that legit number one every down back. Uh, Mark Ingram in his career, I mean, he's proven to be a, a a great committee back, but we haven't seen him do it by himself in the NFL, really. So uh, maybe a Baltimore, um, same thing, maybe in a Philadelphia. Um, I know that they traded for Howard, um, but Howard has shown he's got some injury problems and he's pretty inconsistent. So maybe if you went to somewhere like a Philadelphia, you know, those are really the only two teams coming to mind for me, honestly. The one I'd be interested in, and I'd like to see it, is somebody like the Green Bay Packers. Somebody who typically doesn't really do that kind of thing. They more stick to the draft, but pairing him with uh, an Aaron Rodgers, I think would be really fun to watch. And I can't really, you know, I don't know how many great running backs the Packers really have on their roster right now. So that's something I'd like to see. Other than that, I really don't know. Packers, I could see, I, I see the fit, and I think he'd be great there. 
I just don't see them putting the effort to go get him. And if they did, I don't see them putting the effort to resign. I don't think that they would go that much above what the Chargers are offering for him. Um, the Eagles, we've seen in the past, the year they won the Super Bowl, you know, they needed a running back. They had injuries. They had depth uh, problems. You know, they went out and they dra- or uh, traded uh, for Jay Ajayi. Um, so, I mean, it's something we've seen with them in the past, um, the Ravens, I mean, we've seen them make, you know, big attempts to get running backs and, you know, they always try and incorporate that run game. So I could see them if they, if they still think that they're a playoff team, um, but they're, they're missing one aspect. I could see them potentially trying to go out and get a Melvin Gordon to put them over the hump. Um, I still personally think they would need more than him, but in house, they may think that's all they're missing. So, uh, But I mean, it's definitely, I mean, we, we got to keep an eye on it and uh, we'll see where it goes. All right. One of the other things, this is, this is good news. Um, it's a really cool story and I hope I'm not butchering this guy's name, but Damon Sheehy Giuseppe for the Browns um, returns a punt for a touchdown in the preseason game. And he's a really special guy. Um, do you want to elaborate a little bit on why his, his touchdown means so much? I mean, we're, we're basically getting, I mean, any sports fan, I, I mean, you love sports movies and this is basically a, a, a another version of invincible. Um, I mean, he's something, he was a junior college all American and, and, uh, he wasn't able back in 2016, he wasn't able to get onto, uh, a D one school for the next year. Um, and so he's kind of been out of football for the last few years, but he's still been working, still been staying in shape and training and everything. And, uh, apparently it seems like he learned of a, a Cleveland Browns tryout down in Miami and, uh, it learned it from a friend and he, uh, went down there, spent his last, I think $200 getting down there. Uh, apparently he was sleeping in, uh, in fitness gyms and he was sleeping in doorways of, of businesses and stuff for a few days, uh, basically had no money. And he talked his way into the tryout, told, told security officials and everything that he knew the GM or the player personnel director. And, uh, they allowed him in. And once he was in, he convinced the GM and all the coaches to allow him to run and, and show what he could do. So they let him do it. He ran a four, three, eight 40. Um, they invited him to camp. Uh, seems like his teammates really love him. Everyone's rooting for him, but, uh, he gets in late in the game, uh, gets a punt return, takes it back 86 yards. Uh, the celebration that you see, I mean, it, it shows how much these guys are rooting for him. Uh, I mean, I think about the entire team dogpiled him in the end zone. Uh, even, uh, Freddie kitchens looked happy, uh, which he's shown very little emotion, honestly, so far. So, I mean, even he was running and cheering on the sideline and you see Baker Mayfield celebrating and stuff. So, I mean, it's a, it's a really great story with all the negative things going on in the NFL right now. Uh, it's nice to see, you know, a guy off the streets, uh, you know, kind of give all of us a little bit of hope and make us, you know, make us all believe we could do something like that, whether we can or not. So uh, great story in, in uh, this day and age. Yeah, it was such a such a cool thing to watch. And and I think everyone in the world is rooting for him to make that team. So uh, something to watch for the preseason. I think uh, if you're taking the story out of it, the guy's obviously some skill i mean <laughs> i have some fast uh fast moves to get to the end zone on a punt return so i'm excited to see if he sticks up or sticks out in the training camp for the rest of the time and makes the team yeah i think it's something i think something to keep an eye on and and i mean like you said take away the story i mean it takes a lot to uh it takes a lot to return a, a punt for a touchdown in the nfl uh 
regardless of what where you come from and what your story is it takes a lot and when you add that story to it it's just that much better um i think at the moment the browns are kind of suffering from that overhyped where i think some people are going to be actually rooting against them this year um, but I think this is something that you can root for for the Browns. Um, it'll give you a reason to watch the Browns and root for the Browns on a good side rather than, oh, they've just basically loaded up on their team and and now we don't like them anymore, which which we're seeing a little bit of at the moment. So uh, I think it's something to watch. I think it's something that's going to be fun, and I, I really hope he makes the team. Absolutely. So there's one other guy who is having a really good – let's just say he's feeling a lot better than he was last week after week one, and that's Daniel Jones. Uh, he orchestrated a perfect drive down the field for a touchdown. Uh, there were some boos from the Giants whenever he came out. Uh, do you think this alleviates some of that uh, pain the Giants fans are feeling? Uh, yes and no. I think, uh, I mean, we still need to see more because at the end, I mean, it was a great drive, great confidence builder. At the end of the day, though, it was still mostly second team Jets defense that he was going against. Um, but from if I'm a Giants fan, which I'm not because I'm a Cowboys fan, but if I'm a Giants fan, uh, I, it gives me a little bit of hope thinking, okay, well, maybe this guy can play. Do I want him to play right now? Probably not. Uh, but it, it's given me some hope like, okay, this guy may actually have something. Uh, we thought we just got this, you know, uh, to be honest, a trash player. Um, he's not the guy we wanted. We wanted Dwayne Haskins. Um, uh, and that's not who we got, but um uh, now now maybe it gives them some hope um i think some people overreacted to it i was seeing the next day people saying well eli manning should be benched because this guy is clearly ready to go um, i don't think that's true at all um i think eli manning still has a little bit to give um people overlook the fact that he still threw for four thousand yards last year which is is no easy feat honestly um so i think he's still got a little bit to give and i think daniel jones needs to sit down and and watch a little more but as far as the first preseason goes, his first drive, I mean, I think it's a huge confidence booster. And uh, and hopefully he, he can continue that momentum because, I mean, he seems like a great young kid. So I'd like to see him succeed. And uh, we'll see where he goes. And one other thing Giants fans have to cheer about. Most of them were upset that they took Daniel Jones over Dwayne Haskins. So if we travel down the road to the Redskins' first preseason game, Dwayne Haskins had a real up and down game throwing two interceptions. So uh, does that worry you at all if you're a Redskins fan? Um, not really. I mean, uh, I, I think it's like I was saying, I think a little uh, some people overreacted to Daniel Jones in a positive way. I think some people are overreacting to Haskins in a negative way. Um, I mean, Haskins still I mean, it's the first preseason game. He uh I mean, he had some good things he did. Um, obviously, he struggled a little bit. Uh, didn't didn't play as well as they wanted to, but it is the first preseason game. He didn't have much experience in college. Only started one year. So uh, I think it, it's something, uh, as the preseason goes on, it's something to, to watch and keep an eye on. But, uh, I mean, I think he's going to be better. I think he's going to be fine. But, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, I think the... Moral of the story here is don't put too much stock in uh, preseason week one. Um, kind of my rough little overview of week one is you hate to see it, but Jermaine Curse brutally having a just broken leg and twisted ankle. That's the kind of stuff you hate to see um, in the preseason. But overall, I think it was a good good start for young players all over the league. Some of the young wide receivers stood out. 
Um, I know guys like Paxton Lynch in Seattle kind of, I, I don't want to say redemption, but he's, I think, solidified himself as the number two behind Russell Wilson. Um, just in general, you, you see in the Chiefs game, uh, McCole Hardman with his speed, Darwin Thompson. There's a lot of good stuff happening in the league, but once again, don't put too much stock into week one. Yeah, it's it's something I think we saw a lot of I think we saw a lot of great stuff. Uh Paxton Lynch was fun to watch. Uh uh Nathan Peterman down in Oakland um had a 50 yard run last night and then zipped in a nice touchdown pass. And I mean, we all know that uh that he's obviously struggled in his career. Um, so I think getting with someone like John Gruden, maybe he can maybe he could turn it around and become an efficient backup, maybe even start a little bit here and there. Um, so that was kind of fun to see. Um, I think the from the young player standpoint, uh, like you said, McCole heard me down in the Chiefs. I mean, you just add more speed on top of speed on top of speed. So uh, I think that's something to keep an eye on. Some of the other young players, Kyler Murray had a great uh, had a great game. Looks like he only played a series or two, but I mean, put up some good numbers. I mean, there's there's some good stuff to keep an eye on. Uh, I like down in uh, as a biased fan. I like down in New Orleans seeing uh, little Jordan uh, Humphrey score a touchdown um, out of the slot for New Orleans. I think if if he's a guy that can make that team, uh, he played exclusively in the slot at Texas last year. Um, despite being as big as he is, he's six four and listed at two twenty eight. I'm hearing he's more around two hundred and ten pounds. But uh, if he can make the team and they can give him that slot presence, kind of like a Marcus Colston, I think that could be something to keep an eye on. Um, he's not the fastest guy, but he's got good hands. Uh, he's a physical receiver and uh, a big target for Drew Brees. So um, as, a, as a Longhorns fan, I did like seeing him get that touchdown. And I'll, I'll personally be keeping an eye on that, um, whether other people do or not. But I, that's one of my big preseason things to keep an eye on. So, I mean, it was, it was preseason week one's always a fun one to watch. Um, you get to see a lot of players you won't see the rest of the year play a lot. So, uh, I think a lot of good things. I hate seeing Curse get injured, but uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to week two. And one other thing that really stood out for me, and I've been one of his harshest critics so far, but Lamar Jackson going four for six for 59 yards and a touchdown and attempting no runs. I don't know if this is going to be the trend of the year because I know. Harbaugh said, we're going to run the football. It's who we are. But that's pretty good stats for a guy who I, I've i been saying all offseason isn't a passing quarterback. Um, it's it's nice to see that, and we don't know if that will continue, but it's just something that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I think that's something that's it's great to see. As a Ravens fan, that would be great to see uh, if I was one of those guys. And uh, it, it's something that uh, I think will bring the team confidence in that we can move the ball. Uh, we can score some points without him running, but at the same time, we know if he needs to run, obviously the guy could run. I mean, the guy's a, a phenomenal athlete. So, um, but if you can prove to your team and prove to your fans that hey, I can I can move the ball, I can score some points without you know using my biggest weapon, uh, I think that's only going to add confidence to that team. And on the other side of the line of scrimmage in that game, it's a little disturbing to me that the Jacksonville Jaguars put up a big goose egg on the points. I mean, even your, you would hope that your starters, your backups, I know not all of their guys played, but you'd hope to at least score something in the preseason. It's kind of rare to see a, a zero put up in the preseason. That's that, that was kind of shocking. I mean, to me again, as a Ravens, as you know, if I was a Ravens fan, uh, uh, that's another huge confidence. Cause they lost, you know, they had the number one overall defense last year. 
um, from a number standpoint. And so when they lost a lot of their talent, you know, they lost Eric Weddle and Terrell Suggs and some other guys, uh, CJ Mosley went up to New York. Um, they lost all these great players, but they did bring in some good players to replace them. Uh, and they still have all that depth and it, it kind of shows, you know, no matter what, honestly, I mean, Baltimore always has a stout defense and, and I think they put the league on notice just a little bit. I mean, it, I think it at least creeped it back into people's mind that, Hey, they may have lost a lot of talent, but they're still going to be pretty good. One of the other things that stood out for me, and it's not really a surprise because everyone's projecting Baker Mayfield having a big year, but Mayfield came in, had 89 yards, two-minute drive, um, five of six passing, and hit a 21-yard touchdown to Rashard Higgins, which is impressive because he didn't even have Odell back Jarvis Landry. So I really think they're going to have a big year. Um, and we kind of talked about how everyone's kind of hating on them because they're loaded with talent. But I really do think that the Browns are going to have a massive year. Yeah, so do I. I think they got they've got an uh, insane amount of talent, particularly on the offensive side. The defense should be good, um, maybe not great, but good. Um, and I, I do still expect them to win that division. All right, and I think that's all the news I've got. Uh, one of the things we did last week that was super fun was Mike and I took a trip down to the Kansas City Chiefs training camp in St. Joe, Missouri. Um, it was so much fun that it was a packed house on a Friday. Uh, I, I've been listening to some of the guys around the Chiefs. They say this is the most excitement they've had for years. They said that they're selling 8,000, or not selling, but their attendance is over 8,000 almost every day of the week there. It was just an unreal environment. We saw um, some great plays by Mahomes making some bombs downfield. So it was just a really great experience for me as a Chiefs fan. And uh, what do you think of it, Mike? Uh, I mean, obviously we had a blast down there. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, the crowd, it was, it was fun to see. They were on two practice fields. It was fun to see any, whatever field Mahomes went to, the crowd shifted that way. So there were times where we were on one practice field watching and no one was over there with us really. And as soon as Mahomes came over there, all of a sudden there were, you know, a, a surge of four or five, 600 people would just be moving. And, uh, and so that was always, you know, that was fun. I think it shows the excitement around my homes, but it also shows the excitement with just the sheer number of people there. Uh, it shows the excitement that people have for this season for that team. Um, I mean, we got to see some really great plays, um, that are up on the chief's Facebook pages and stuff. If you want to check them out, uh, we got to see a lot of good players, um, that you haven't really heard about in the news. I think the chiefs, you know, they got some big young receivers and tight ends, uh, that I'm kind of excited about. All right. I know the chiefs defense looked a little shaky against the Bengals and, uh, in week one of the preseason, but I think watching them in person in training camp, uh, they do have a lot of speed. They do actually have a surprising amount of size. They, I, I think it's, it, it was, it was just a great experience. It's the first training camp I've ever been to personally. Um, it's something I, I look forward to doing in, in the years to come uh, with the Chiefs and and honestly, hopefully maybe some other teams if we can make it out to some other camps eventually down the road. Uh, I think that'd be a lot of fun. But uh, seeing the Chiefs, uh, a lot of lot of fun, a lot of excitement there. Uh, and it sh- I mean, we got to see in person just how much talent they really have. Yeah, and a couple of guys that really stood out for me, and it's no surprise, Tyron Matthew was just flying all over the field making plays. Um, he only played a couple couple plays in the week one preseason game. Um, I think he's going to be the key to this defense, uh, getting people in order, getting the rookies and all the people that are on the defense up there. Juan Thornhill, 
uh, rookie safety, um, is projected to start at free safety. He actually played with the second team in week one against the Bengals. But that guy has made five interceptions in practice already, which is impressive, um, especially because the Chiefs have some talent in the wide receiver stuff. So for him to do that is impressive. Um, obviously, it goes without saying, McCole Hardman, uh, I think they're kind of ironing out what their plan is with him. And last or in the last preseason game, you saw a bunch of jet sweeps and reverses to him. I think their goal to get him out in space and just let him do his thing with his speed. But he looked really good as a route runner at camp. I mean, he's he's torching some of these corners that are pretty decent, and he's just a rookie. So we put him on the field with a Kelsey and a Tyreek Hill. It's going to be dangerous, and I'm I'm really excited to see it. Yeah, it was it was it was just a ton of fun. It was it was I enjoyed doing it. Uh, like I said, I look forward to doing it again next year. And we'll get some pictures up that we took um, on our social media this week, hopefully. So it was a really good time. All right, I think that's all we got for this week. What's on store for next week? On the next episode of Gridiron Authority, we're going to be going over week two of the preseason, uh, NFL headlines that happen between now and then, uh, what we like seeing in, in week two, uh, any injuries that came up, what we are, you know want to keep an eye on for week three, and uh, any other news that pops up. So it should be a good episode. Uh, make sure you tune in. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Mm-hmm.